0: Hey everyone, welcome to Hub City Church. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. If you want more information about Hub City Church, find us online at thehubcitychurch.com slash connect and fill out our digital connect card. Now let's dive into this week's message.
1: And then the scripture reading for today. This is from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meal, sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their properties and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord.
0: That uh, scripture is one that we are just going to continue to read this summer as kind of a rubric or a skeleton to this series. As you see the early church uh, live out, these new habits, uh, these new routines, these new rhythms of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And my hope is that this summer, we discover some of those or rediscover them in a new way and begin to live those things out and grow as Christ followers and discover Jesus in a new way and discover simply being with Jesus. When you think about these rhythms, it is not about being a busy Christian, it is about being uh, just with Christ in all of these different facets, all of these different ways, and think about being with somebody. One way that we can learn to just be with somebody is by talking with somebody. When you talk with somebody, you get to know them, and then they get to know you, and you just spend that quality time with them. Uh, when I was first crushing on April, uh, 17 years ago, had my, uh, my heart was beating fast around her, and we, uh, we got to know each other in our college group of our church at the time, um, we would hang out, and I lived about an hour away. And I would drive up to church and go hang out, and we would be together. And then I had an hour drive home, and it was back in the day with uh, Nokia phones and headset. You know, we didn't have Bluetooth or any of that fancy stuff and AirPods. But I just, I just drove. I, I did this number, you know, and just drove, and I would talk to her on the phone for that hour drive, and we just spent the whole day together. But why would I spend another hour? talking to her on the phone, risking a ticket from the police. Because I loved her so much. I was willing to risk the ticket from the police. Never got one, uh, praise the Lord. But I, I broke the law for her because I loved her so much. And, but it was simply about, I wanna talk with you. I wanna continue to talk with you. And there were some nights that I remember being so tired, because we'd stay up late with our friends, and then I got to drive home, and, and it was that long drive home in the middle of the night, and I was like, can you just talk to me? And she would be literally like in bed falling asleep on the phone, and I'm falling asleep at the wheel trying to drive, but like, this is keeping me awake. Okay, here we go. But all of it was just, I want to be around you, and I want to talk with you. I want to keep the conversation going. Fans of The Office will remember that episode where Jim and Pam get Bluetooth headsets and just talk to each other throughout the day. Right, That's what we were doing. We were cutting edge, though. We, we, we did it before Jim and Pam, so we were trendsetters. But prayer is simply keeping a conversation between us and God. It is keeping that phone line open and just continuing to talk about, this is what's going on in my life, and this is what I need, and this is what I see, and this is what I feel. And the apostles taught the early church that this was a valuable practice. The disciples passed this on to the early church, saying this is a rhythm of life Keep that conversation going with God. We see that in in Acts chapter two, verse 42, when it says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Keep the conversation going with God. Keep talking with God. Keep listening to God. The disciples were people of prayer. The early church were people of prayer. But they didn't always start out that way. And I think we sometimes think that when we're reading our Bibles, we're like, these are Bible superheroes, right? Like they just, they came out of the womb praying, right? Other than like Jesus and John the Baptist. I'm not sure who else like knew how to pray as an infant, right? But like these guys wanted to pray, but they didn't know how to pray. And we see this in Luke chapter 11 when the disciples are with Jesus, they see something in him and they ask him this question or they inquire of this, of Jesus. In Luke chapter 11, verse one, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. It is this thing that we feel we should be doing, we should know how to do it. Can this morning be a release of that pressure and and stereotypes and this is what prayer should look like and how it should be and I'm not good enough or I should be praying more and I, I don't pray enough and yada, 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 and just remember, at one point, the disciples didn't get it, and they had to talk with Jesus and pull him aside and say, like, hey, can you teach us how to do this? Because I thought what I understood what prayer was, but could you model, could you teach, could you expand on this? And today, I want to simply look at some of the example and the teaching of Jesus and see six facets of prayer. Not a checklist, not a how to get your prayer life better today, you know, but six facets of prayer that I believe we can integrate into our prayer lives as individuals on our own throughout the week. And what we're gonna see is three attributes of prayer and we're gonna see three benefits of prayer. So six facets, three attributes, characteristics, and then three benefits. And I believe throughout this time, we're gonna sprinkle in some action steps for us, some very simple like, hey, try this at home, try this on your own, right? So that we can be people of prayer. So that we don't beat ourselves up throughout the week and say like, I know I should pray more, shouldn't I? Yeah, we should pray more, right? Or I should keep talking to God or I'm missing something or there's some incomplete feeling within me. No, let's just be people who keep the conversation going with God throughout the week and it doesn't have to remain in this place. It can be throughout your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, wherever your Thursday takes you. You can be a person of prayer. So three characteristics of prayer and three benefits of prayer based on what Jesus talked about and taught and lived So the first attribute of prayer that I wanna talk about is one, prayer is private. Prayer is this component of our lives that, yes, it can be very corporate and and gathered with other people, and it could be collective with other people, but prayer can also be a very private time. It says in Luke chapter four, verse 42, early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. Why did he do this? Why did he go to this isolated place? He went there to pray. He went there to go be with God the Father. And so when we talk about prayer, yes, we pray in church, we pray with other people, we pray in community, that is a facet of prayer. We're not gonna talk about that today. That would be a whole nother sermon on prayer, but there is an attribute here based on Jesus' example where prayer is very private. In Matthew six, Jesus talks about prayer being private when he says this in Luke, or excuse me, in Matthew six. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly and on street corners And in the synagogues where everyone can see them. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Prayer is a rhythm that it's okay for it to be a private rhythm, it's not meant to be always posted on Instagram. Hey, I prayed today. It's not meant to be something that we always have to do around other people. It's not meant to be always done through a microphone or on a stage or in front of people. It's something that should be, as Jesus modeled and Jesus taught, it should be done privately. And what is the benefit of being private? What is the, 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 the good thing about a private space where you and God can just keep the conversation going? You could be honest. It's less of a show. There's less pressure. You just share what's on your heart. You just talk to God. You're not trying to impress God, you're just talking to Him. There is something about being able to be in a private space and be more vulnerable with God. We once went to this fancy restaurant. April and I are on a date night, somebody had blessed us with a gift card. We go out to this fancy place in Seattle. We're sitting there, we're all dressed up to the nines, eating this fancy lobster, mac and cheese, whatever. You know, it's just like, oh my goodness, this is so good. And across the way, there's this other couple and they are eating some of the same food, but their conversation needed to be in a private space. You wouldn't have thought that they were having fun together because they weren't. They were just talking about, I don't know if you wanna be with me anymore, and you're always with your mom, and you're always bad-mouthing me to this. And I mean, just the, the level of conversation. April and I are sitting there eating our lobster mac and cheese like, I'm glad this is a gift card. Uh, does anyone want to tell them that maybe there's a private room that they could go have this conversation? Like they were just real housewives. I mean, they were just going for it in front of everybody. But see, there is a benefit of being in a private space and some of us do, we pray like that publicly. We're just like, God, here's everything in front of everybody, right? But there is something beautiful about a private space where Jesus says, go in your room, close the door. And what happens there? You're not worried about anyone else. You can just honestly say, God, this is what's going on. This is how I feel. This is how I'm, I'm processing this. And there's less awkwardness. There's less insecurity. Less self-awareness. Because prayer can be private. Jesus had prayer polices. I didn't realize this until I started studying more and more about it. But in John 18, and I've read this verse and read this story every Good Friday and Easter season. And then an author pointed this out. He says, Jesus, in in John 18, 1 through through 2, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas the betrayer knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. I've read that. Numerous times, and always just skipped over it. Realizing that Judas knew where to find Jesus at his most desperate moment. Why? Because that's where we went to pray. That's where we would get away from the crowds, and we would pray. Luke 22:39 39 says, Jesus left the upstairs room, went as usual to the Mount of Olives. Jesus had a private prayer, private prayer place. I say that a lot. Jesus had a private prayer place. The disciples were familiar with this sacred space. This is where they would go and get alone, get away, to pray. The presence of God is not restricted to a certain spot. It's not restricted to this building, or it's not restricted to the Mount of Olives, or it's not restricted to a certain location or, you know, coordinate space, right? But but there are facets of being able to get away in private or get away to a a specific spot and say, I can focus better in that space. We do this for work. How many of you have a work nook carved out in your house? We're like, that's where I work, right? Some of us go to specific locations to go work out. We go exercise because when you go to the gym, you're like, I'm here to do one thing and one thing alone. It allows you to focus better. We do this with spaces to relax. Why don't we do this to pray? This is my prayer spot. Jesus had a prayer place. It was private. He would get away. And I think that there's something for us to identify here and something for us to take away is the here's a now what? Here's an application step that I can sprinkle in here for you. Identify a prayer place this week. Maybe it's a chair in your office. Maybe it's a lazy boy in your living room. Maybe it's a trail that you walk along. Jesus went outside. He didn't always go inside and find that prayer place. Maybe it's your bedroom. Maybe it's a closet. Maybe it's your car. But it's about finding that private space where you can find silence and solitude and and not feel guilty for that. But take time to pray privately. Find that space. For me, it's this brown recliner that we have in our living room. I've literally, like, kicked my son out of it so I could pray. Like, he's sitting there playing Nintendo. I'm like, hey, bud, I love you. How about this chair? He's like, sure, whatever. You know, he doesn't. But for me, like, I just, there's something. Like, I sit there, I can't see the TV, I can put my AirPods in, I can read, I can pray, I can just be, I'm not distracted. That's my prayer place. Where's your prayer place? Where can you get private? because if we get private, we could do the next component here, the next facet of prayer, which is prayer is passionate and personal. Jesus got a way to pray, and he did so to process some very uh, emotional moments in his life. Prayer should not be robotic. Prayer should not be liturgical to the point where it loses all of its emotion and feeling. You're having a conversation with God let that emotion out, let that personality come out, let your feelings come out, let all of it out, right? Jesus finds out that his, his uh, cousin John had been killed and he gets away to pray. Look at this in Matthew 14, 13. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened and as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Jesus heard some news that grieved him what does he do he posts it on facebook nope he gets away to pray and he he gets away by himself doesn't say he went with the disciples even he just went alone to go grieve and to process and talk to the father and say this hurts to talk through that pain and the emotions and not keep those things bottled up. How many of you sometimes during the week, you feel like a, sh- a soda shaken up and you're just ready to release something, right? But you've been holding it in, God can handle it. Like, let it out, uncork it, unleash it, let it out of you. Be honest with God and what's going on. We see Jesus be honest with the Father in Luke 22 while he's in the garden. It says in Luke 22:39. 39. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt and prayed. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently. He prayed more fervently. Prayer is passionate. Prayer is personal. Prayer, he prayed more fervently. He was in such agony of his spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like drops, great drops of blood. Jesus knows what's coming with his coming execution, and he is under such immense stress and emotion and pain, and he is being so honest with his father. If we can pass this cup along, I'll take it. But if not, I will endure it. And he prays with such honesty and emotion. These aren't Miss America prayers. God, I just pray for world peace. I pray for good weather. God, I pray that we all get along. This is somebody who is at a point where he gets away privately and he can be passionate. He can be personal. He can be himself. And that's the beauty of not making your prayer life always public. It is very private so that you can be more honest with God. So you can share what's going on in the various emotions. And this would be another now what for us this week is as you find a prayer place, find yourself to a point where you can begin to tell God honestly, Jesus, I'm feeling blank. Fill in the blank this week. Here's your takeaway. Jesus, I am feeling blank. Fill it in. How would you fill that in? I'm angry, I'm relaxed, I'm disappointed, I'm tired, I'm refreshed, I'm overwhelmed, I'm betrayed, I'm confused. I wanna punch this guy in the nose. Like, tell God what you're feeling. Be personal, be passionate about those things. And you'll see you're you're having a real conversation with a real God. Not this, I want to impress you and sound spiritual to you, God. Here's everything that I sound impressive about. We're not caught up in that. We're not caught up in impressing God. We're just being genuine with God. If we feel like this is wrong or feel like this is out of the ordinary, it goes far beyond just Jesus. Look at the book of Psalms. What do you have with the book of Psalms? You have a man named David who wrote the majority of the Psalms and they are his journal entries, his prayers. He writes to God and says, God, I'm this, and God, I'm feeling this, and God, I'm feeling this. You read through the Psalms, you see somebody who's praying very passionately and personally, and he's sharing those things with God. Let's do that this week. Let's be people who pray honestly. The third component that Jesus talks about with prayer that I wanna focus on is that prayer is persistent. Prayer isn't just like a one-off, like, check, I did it, I prayed for that, I'm done. It is something we keep doing. Jesus said in Luke eleven nine, and so I tell you, keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Jesus tells us to keep asking. He doesn't just say, well, ask for it once, and if it doesn't happen, you're done. So, keep going, keep asking. Why would Jesus want us to keep asking? We can nag him to death, wear him down. The God of the universe is somehow going to get enough paper cuts from Sean. He's finally going to give in. It's going to teach me about my God when I pray persistently. When I keep praying and keep praying and keep praying, I learn not to trust in myself, but I learn... I have to trust in him that whatever I'm asking for I can't make it happen God's going to have to do that. And if ever you feel selfish or I don't know should I be praying for this like well if it's a briefcase full of money that just shows up on your doorstep and you keep praying for that maybe ask God why right but As you're asking why, I believe God will reveal something to you. You might feel like, is it wrong to ask for God's provision? Is it wrong wrong to ask for healing? Is it wrong to ask for a friend? Is it wrong to ask for forgiveness? Is it wrong to ask? Ask God why that would be wrong. It's in the persistence that God molds us and shapes us and teaches us. And, And maybe there's things that I've been asking for over the course of my life that God's like, Sean, you don't need that but it's in the asking that I discover that, much like my son asking for, what, soda in the morning. Maverick, you don't need that, but you keep asking for it. Eventually, he's gonna learn. He doesn't need Mountain Dew at 9 a.m. Well, eventually, I'm going to learn that there's things that I'm asking for that I don't need, but there are other times where I'm realizing it continues to build my faith to keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking, and God has asked me to do this. God has commanded me to do this. Jesus teaches us. He doesn't say if you feel like it, he said, keep asking, keep knocking, keep going. Don't give up on this. So how do we live this out? How do we do this? One way that we could live this out this week is to simply try this. Try writing a list of your prayer requests, write them out, and keep praying for that list. I always tend to shoot from the hip when I pray. Many are like this, like I just, whatever comes to my mind, then I'll pray for those things. But I've known people, like they create prayer cards or prayer lists and they begin praying over those names or those things or those people or whatever it would be. There's something that keeps you going when you have that in front of you or have it in your Bible or have it on your phone. Keep praying for those people. Keep praying for those things to happen. So make a prayer list. I pray multiple times this week for it. So three attributes of prayer. Prayer is private, prayer is passionate, and prayer is persistent. Now, three benefits of prayer, real quick. Three benefits of prayer that we see Jesus highlight or experience or model for us. One is that prayer helps us discover peace. What is the benefit of praying, right? Here's three, three benefits to us. One is that we will discover the peace of God when we pray. In the gospel, Jesus' popularity was growing on the rise. Crowds were swarming him, overwhelming the people and things like that, and he found time to get away and pray, in Luke 5, 15 through 16. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach, and he healed, and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. In the heat of busyness, how many of us feel busy I'm the only one. When ministry was just booming for Jesus, he doesn't just press in and put his head down and let's keep going. Says what? He often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. He found a private prayer place to go be with the Father. And the benefit, what is the benefit of getting away from the busyness of life and the overwhelming waves that hit us and the tyranny of the urgent is it gets a way to pray so that we can go change the pace of our life, so that we can mix up the rhythm that we've been living in, so that we can remove the distractions that we've been listening to or getting consumed by, and we can begin to go listen to our God for a little bit. Silence and solitude are not a selfish act. It is something that we should be living in on a regular basis, and when we Take that time away, we can experience the peace of God. Philippians 3 says to pray about everything. Give thanks to the Lord when you feel anxious, so that you will experience the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. But we get uncomfortable in that quiet time, in that private space, in that silence, in that solitude. Why do we resist the silence and the solitude? How no many of us feel guilty because our minds wander during that time? All of a sudden, everything on your to do list pops up when you, I'm like, Jesus, I'm trying to take two minutes to be silent for a moment. I'm trying to t- set a five minute timer, like Bobby and Brittany talked about. Let's set a timer. And in that five minutes, I know I got to do dishes and I know I got to send that email and I know I got to do this, right? Our minds wander like crazy during that quiet time. But Sean, Prayer is supposed to help me discover peace, and I don't feel very peaceful when I'm praying. I feel distracted and more busy and more guilty for what I'm not doing. I heard one author t- tell it like this. He said, if your mind gets distracted 10,000 times in 20 minutes of prayer, it's 10,000 opportunities to return to God. So those of us that feel like we just all of a sudden get ADD when we try to be quiet before the Lord, and you feel like 10,000 things popped up on my radar. Well, guess what? That's 10,000 opportunities where you're, okay, trying to think about Jesus, trying to focus on Jesus, trying to focus on Jesus. Okay, I got to mow the lawn. Oh, focusing on Jesus. I'm focusing on Jesus. I'm focusing on Jesus. Oh, I got to send that email. Oh, I'm focusing on Jesus. I'm focusing on Jesus. I'm focusing on Jesus, right? And sometimes lately, I've had to literally do that. I'll sit in my prayer spot, my, my nice old brown recliner, And I start thinking of everything I've got to get done. And I feel a peace and a permission from Jesus to say, not right now. It's me and Jesus. And I picture Jesus sitting there in my living room. And and, and it's this invitation to say, Jesus, what do you want to say right now? What do you want to say to me right now? This is our time. Let's keep the conversation going. 10,000 times to say yes to Jesus. We shouldn't feel guilty because our mind wanders. But allow it to be a time where we can recalibrate and experience the peace of God. Bobby and Brittany described that, the peace that they experienced. The things that our soul deeply aches for can be discovered in that quiet time. Prayer is not only a time for peace, but it is a time for preparation. Jesus got away to pray before he appointed his disciples. In Luke 6, one day, soon afterward, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he came. He called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be his apostles. How many of us have big decisions in life right now? Anybody got big decisions you're facing? Anything weighing on you? Anything where you gotta own it? You gotta take responsibility? Feeling the pressure to make Decisions in life, prayer can be a time where God would prepare you for that decision. Got a career decision you gotta make? Let's take time to pray about it. Got a financial decision that you're you're thinking about? Let's take time to pray about it. A relational decision, a marriage decision, we're gonna move to a new city decision, whatever it would be. The real life big decisions that we face. You're going into a new season of life. Life change is about to happen. Are we stopping to pray about these things? We think about them. We talk about them. We vent to everyone else about them. But have we stopped and done what Jesus did? Before he picked his 12 disciples, what does he do? He goes and prays all night. God of the universe should have known, right? Like Jesus should have just been like, you got the Holy Spirit, man. There's your 12. Here's a list, Right? goes, and he gets away with the Father, and he prays, talks about these things, and it prepares him to make this decision, so don't feel you need to rush these decisions, let's slow down, let's embrace these moments, let's allow God into the conversation, and don't feel pressure that you've got to get it perfect, I mean, Jesus still chose Judas, right, <laughs> You're gonna make decisions and you're like, I've prayed about it and I thought I had it nailed down perfect, right? Some of us are gonna choose some Judases along the way, aren't we? We're gonna make some decisions that in hindsight, we're like, was well, that right? I don't know. I mean, we need a Judas to get to where we, well, anyways. But Jesus got a way to pray and that prayer time is a time for preparation. That's a benefit to us. And lastly, the last benefit that I wanna just quickly focus on is that prayer makes us aware of God's presence. We are aware of the fact that we worship and talk to and follow a living God. Not a distant deity, not folklore, not some story. We follow a living God. Luke chapter nine, Jesus and a couple of the disciples go away to pray and look at what happens. They become aware of God's presence. Luke nine, 28 through 29. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up a mountain to pray and as he was praying, The appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. This moment is what's referred to as the transfiguration. They see that Jesus is the son of God. But what did they go up to do? They didn't go up asking for a transfiguration. They went up simply to pray. They got away to pray. And what do they experience? An encounter with the living God. It makes us aware of God's presence. We are aware that we are worshiping and following a living God, and he hears us. He wants to be with us. And whether it's the transfiguration or we see in Acts chapter three, uh, Peter and John, they go to the temple and they, they do this healing of this, this man, right? And very famous story in Acts chapter three, they go to the temple, uh, silver and gold they don't have, and then they grab him by the hand and they pull him up, right? But before that miracle happens in Acts three, You know what it says? Peter and John went to the temple to, I'll give you one guess, pray. They didn't go to do the miracles. They weren't like, hey, today's Miracle Monday. Let's go, Peter. We're going to the temple. We're going to raise a guy up off the ground and cause a hoopla. Sometimes we get so excited about these things and we're like, man, I wanna see God move in my life and I wanna see this and I wanna see the miracles and I wanna see the supernatural. I wanna see the signs and the wonders. These guys just got a way to pray and God shows up. We don't manipulate God to get what we want. We're not turning God into a holy slot machine. If I just keep praying, I'm gonna get what I want. But when I do pray, I'm praying to a true, living God who hears me. A God who is with me, a God who is powerful, a God who is present. And prayer times can be a reminder that Jesus is with you. You are not alone, Jesus is with you. Prayer makes us aware of God's presence. So there's those three benefits really quickly. I'm just gonna hit those in case we fell asleep. Three benefits of prayer. It helps us discover the peace of God. How many need peace? It helps us find preparation. Somebody needs preparation this week. And thirdly, it makes us aware of God's presence. We wanna feel that God is real. We wanna know that God is with you. Keep the conversation going. Let's be people who pray. Let's be people who keep talking with God. The last little action step that is Very simple, highly practical, and those of you that love technology are gonna love this one. Here's your takeaway. Set reminders on your phone to alert you to pray periodically throughout the day. You got notifications for everything, right? News headlines and when you need to do this and when you need to uh, send this email or whatever. You got notifications popping up left and right on your phone. Set a notification for different times in the day to just stop and pray. And no matter where you're at, except maybe a business meeting or something. Like if you're in the middle of a conversation with somebody, maybe you just, you know, maybe you do, just, hey, time out, everybody. We're gonna pray. No, Uh, but set a reminder and just be reminded to stop and pray throughout the day this week. Morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you're at, at various times, find that private space Talk to God. Let's be people who develop a regular rhythm of talking and listening to Jesus. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you want to take your next step in following Jesus, fill out the digital Connect card at thehubcitychurch.com connect. We'd love to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life.